listening to The Chartographers. To the Chartographers Media Loving Podcast, music loving people, blah 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 blah. Uh, guys, it is our last ranking episode. It is part two of Billy Joel. We are very excited about it. Uh, just telling you right now, stop what you're doing. If you're one of those motherfuckers that listens only because you want to know what the number one album is, you are missing out. We had quite the discussion about a bunch of albums, some of which we'll be talking about in more detail here on our part two. But please listen to the part one. It's very very important. I need to introduce the people who are here. Of course, it is me, Evan Sun. It is the Brenda to my Eddie. It is Taryn O'Reilly, and it is of course Bryce Isel. Consequences ground. Bonjour. Yes. I heard that the second it came out. I'm just like, oh, that's not right. I also like to briefly mention our sponsor as well. Uh, if you guys, if you want to, please check out uh, Mr. Kachatari's down on Sullivan Street. Uh, if you mention the Chartographers when you place your order, you can get half off on a bottle of red and a bottle of white. So, uh, guys, listen, uh, Joel, he's a fascinating little individual. Uh, and we are down to six albums of his 12 album discography. Again, we're not going to mention the albums that we talked about before uh, because that's for part one. But just so you know, we are down to 1973's Piano Man, 1976's Turnstiles, 1977's The Stranger, 1978's 52nd Street, 1980's Glass Houses, and 1983's An Innocent Man. So some would argue that those are the big ones, the classics, and I think they are there for a reason. We're going to dive into them in great, wonderful detail. So now, uh, between the three of us, we have to come to a consensus ranking. So... There, again, part one, there was a lot of nominations for our eight and seven spots, so we're going to probably talk about some of those albums. But right now, Bryce Isel, if you had your personal druthers of our remaining albums, what would you pick for our number six slot? So I don't know if this is non-diplomatic because ties are lame, but I, in this spot, given our discussion in part one, mm-hmm. y'all got to listen to the part one discussion, I should add, um, would add... In this spot for number six, either An Innocent Man or Piano Man, both involving man as the title, hashtag bring down the patriarchy, Billy Joel patriarchy. Wow. Okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> for the record, some of the guests tend to drink a little bit before they record any particular episode, which explains why you just heard and a drink that, of and read Judith Butler. By the by, some of the guests he names everyone every time except Bobby. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, let me let me explain our rationale, please. And 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 both of these come from points that I've somewhat developed in the previous episode, but I'll more frequent uh, more substantially develop here. With Piano Man, you have some of Billy Joel's great songwriting moments. I think Piano Man is an objectively great song. Unfortunately, even for myself, I must admit, it has been overplayed to a degree that I find nauseating. And Agreed. that, But I can tell that it's the overplaying that I don't like. It's not the song. Right. Uh, yes. And I, it's also, it's just funny to hear Billy talk about Piano Man. And mm-hmm. he's like, I, it was like a live clip yeah, that we yeah, were yeah. watching. And he was saying that, you know, whenever he goes into a place where someone is playing live piano and they see him, they start playing piano man (laughs) every time without fail, whether it's like a grocery store or a piano bar or anywhere, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And they, especially if they're not singing and they're just playing the melody, they're like, and 
And then it's just that over and over and yep. over and over and over again for five and a half minutes. Besides the la da da dee da, and so like yes, it's a great song, but it's also quite long. Yes, for what it is presented. Well, there's one thing that I had not remembered about Billy Joel's career, especially both in Street Life Serenade and in Piano Man, is that he has like a weird dalliance with Prague. Like Captain Jack is a Prague song. Like oh, that for main sure. riff in the like way too long length for what it is. Yeah. Like that's a prog song. But and that, and that's kind of the thing he was bitching about on the entertainer off of uh, Street Life Serenade is how uh they cut down you know they cut down your best song to three oh five because he was so fucking furious that they did a goddamn radio edit of Piano Man. Mm-hmm. Uh because it needed a radio edit in order to get it on the radio they're not gonna play uh, however many minute long uh songs. Like five and a half. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, so the so that's Piano Man. The the reason and again, listen to part one, it rules. Um, uh, why I have an innocent man in that I would nominate it for this next spot is in terms of craftsmanship, Billy Joel is doing great things here. Like this is someone who has clearly studied these different sort of genres, doo-wop, acapella, mm-hmm. um, kind of classic 60s, 50s pop. He knows that very well. And it's not that this record offends me. I don't hate listening to it, except for Uptown Girl, which I think even more than Piano Man has the... And I don't know why. Because I think... Cultural omnipresence? Yeah, it's just so... Like, I remember um, at the end of uh, the Judd Apatow-Amy Schumer joint... Um, Trainwreck? Yes, Trainwreck. Like, it ends with a big dance to that song. And I was just like... It was a very sweet, sentimental moment. I was like, God, this is like the millionth time I've heard this song. I mean, it's basically the all-star of its generation. Yeah, and, like... You're not wrong. Oh, God. And... (laughs) So, what I will say is, as someone who very unironically and unqualifiedly loves Billy Joel. The thing that, the reason why I would maybe rank an innocent man lower than most, and I recognize that many people regard this as like a top three Billy Joel album, um, is that it's for me, there's still, there's a guard. Like to me, like his influences are obvious is, are, are obvious throughout his career, but on an innocent man, it feels like his posture toward the songs as well crafted as they are is fundamentally, I'm trying to do a Frankie Valli song. I'm trying to do, like, a Sammy Davis Jr. Yeah. song. Like, mm-hmm. and, and, like, that type of thing, like, and this is purely personal preference, I recognize this, because I'm not saying this is a negative in, in the objective sense. It's just, I feel like there's a, a sort of barrier between me and him as the artist that I don't enjoy as much. And I recognize that's totally personal preference, because, like, for example, like, for the longest time, like, I know it's been, you know, like killed by a thousand different acapella groups at mm-hmm. your college who brought you to their charity drive or whatever. But like, that's a great song. Like, it really it, it right. holds up. And that's the thing about Innocent Man is to feel like I am not offended by that device whatsoever. Because, you know, not only is he like, you know, less bitter, he wants to talk about his new love, that's fine. Christy Lee's a terrible song regardless. Yeah. Uh, but that being said, like in the liner notes, he specifically says this song done in the style of The Supremes, done in the style of, you know, pre-Beatles rock and roll. Like there's a a lot of references that he has in there explicitly referencing who the artists in the question are and the thing is that like if that's the device that he has to use to get there and he's blatantly acknowledging it I don't mind because the thing is he used it again I feel like true creativity what do you do when you're an artist and you want to have a new creative breakthrough do you go walk into a studio and the record label said hey do whatever you want guess what the Stone Roses an acclaimed British dance rock band tried that for their second album were in there for eight months were caught playing video games frequently on there because they didn't want to record it 
anything. Eventually, like, oh, whatever, they got around to recording, but it cost them, it took them like six months to write this new set of songs, where previously it only took them less than that significantly. Here is one of the things I feel like great creativity comes out of boundaries, some things that you set for yourself. Think about Jack White when he recorded a White Stripes album, he says, no guitar solos on this one, or like only these two instruments and nothing else. Or like, he just like, he always has restrictions on himself because it forces your brain to kind of like come up with a different way of going about it. Right, you know? and, and there's the Brian Eno method, very yes. similarly, where he's like, you, you know, they just, they're, this isn't necessarily what they'll do for the final version, but when they're working on a song and they feel like they're stuck, he pulls out these cards and he's like, make the song blue, or like, you know, do it in this style, or like, you know, make it, make it, you know, a happy, oh, you have the cards. I have them. They're called Oblique Strategies. This is a very small tangent I want to do. Uh, but basically, Brian Eno sells these cards as well, the same ones that he gives to labels. So I think, obviously, in order to freshen up the podcast... Public service announcement, make Coldplay Brian Eno we need again. To, we need to pick a card. <laughs> so real. All right. So we're going to pick a card at random here. Let's get see what it says. So for our podcast, ask people to work against their better judgment, Bryce. <laughs> so uh, I feel like that's a, good, uh, that's a good card to have. We need it for creative decisions. But the thing is that like him using this as a device, it completely works. And I agree, the songs are overplayed, but as a Annoying as it is, Uptown Girl is like a well done, annoying as fuck pop song. Genuinely, uh, like, honestly, again, Innocent Man, still pretty solid, stands up there. Keeping the Faith, I kind of hate it and kind of love it at the same time. Mm. Keeping the Faith! Yeah, yeah. No, that's. I mean, that's. Uh, while I do have this album pretty high in my personal ranking, I also recognize that after Uptown Girl, this album kind of falls apart. Um, Careless, leave a tender moment alone. You do? I do. I mean, okay, great. It's a good yeah. song. But like, song. Careless Talk mm-hmm. is like the worst side <laughs> of uh-huh. of this duop experiment. Experiment. Yeah. It's like Absolutely. every it's the the type of duop that should have been left behind in the 50s. Firmly agree. Um Christy Lee is terrible. Yeah. I don't like keeping the faith. I I don't even remember what this night sounds like, honestly. Yeah, but then oh, but tell her about it is so solid. Like yeah, it's just one of the things where like I will have ups and downs with it, but I will admire it for the fact that it was such a bold experiment. I will accept the failures and the successes kind of in stride just because he's doing something so def- definitely bold and such a change in pace and shift for him. Mm-hmm. Like I can at least appreciate that aspect of it. So I understand where you're coming from. It's not my number one. It's definitely not my number one, in fact. But like I wouldn't necessarily throw it yet for me actually it might be coming up honestly but for me again i stand by my previous thing i said in part one which is glass houses at this point looking at the other albums between piano man stranger 52nd street turnstiles glass houses is just like the outlier in terms of like it's good enough i get what you're saying Uh i feel like after we talked about it i realized how utterly wrong i was about turnstiles a although i do still think it's it's coming up for me, it's like in the next couple spots. Uh-huh. If, okay. if it's not now, I don't but hate that. I kind of understand your argument about Piano Man. Honestly, mm-hmm. it's quite good. Uh, actually, one of the biggest takeaways for me this week because I was very familiar with like Turnstiles through Glass Houses, but um, Ain't No Crime, yeah, is actually really fun. I'm always gonna like. I, I'm always gonna like when you bring in powerhouse backing vocalists uh-huh. and they're yeah. killing it. I'm yeah. always gonna enjoy that, which is actually. Um, on Innocent Man, it's not incredible, but I like Easy Money, the opening track, because yeah. it does a similar thing. Yeah. But yeah, no, Ain't No Crime is fantastic on Piano Man. We've already talked about some of the other highlights, but like, I just, 
And now I'm sort of falling into that. That feels the least like Billy Joel to me. See, it's weird though for me. Piano Man. It feels like a. St- I mean, it is kind of a crazy all over the place album in terms of the genres that he's trying. Because again, he never comes back to something like the country romance of the Ballad of Billy the Kid. But ultimately, like there are so many pop moments that work on me here. I mean, Travel and Prayer still is such I a like stellar song. opener. I do. But honestly, yeah. You're My Home is just this considered gorgeous acoustic ballad. Oh, yeah. And I love that. You know, I it's like finger. Picked and it, it comes down. That's the one that's like dun 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 dun. dun, dun. Yes, yes, yeah, it is. exactly. Okay, yeah. great. Um, <laughs> no, that one, that one is really nice too. I also. Um, oh, that also has the great line about you being my instant pleasure dome. So you know. well, right? <laughs> Which that, I just, I honestly, I love that so much. Kind of a you're mistake. my castle, you're my, you are my instant pleasure dome. <laughs> oh, I also uh, stop in Nevada. Yeah, was very surprising to me. That's like, mm-hmm. oh, and now she's running off to California. Da, 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 da. <laughs> right, and the thing is that, like, so Piano Man, it feels like more. I know that you were arguing that this is like turn, Street Life Serenade is when Billy Joel started coming to himself. More than just the title track, Piano Man feels like an album. This feels like an extent of his abilities. And maybe he's still experimenting with genre a little bit to try and locate that sound. But it's still all together, for the most part, works for me. Yeah, there's some lesser moments on there. Uh, Somewhere along the line is fine. Uh, Captain Jack, while as good as the song is, is pretty clearly an Elton John ripoff. Like, legit. Like, this is purely, you know, Goodbye Yellow Big Road inspired. But at the same time, like, I can't, I don't really use that as a fault against it. And also, it's one of the things where, say what you will about its five-minute length, this, and that blows my mind about his dislike of Street Life Serenade, is that the production on Piano Man, how you have those little, like, gondola guitars kind of come in, like, there's just this rising action to it, you have the harmonica, it's sound, it's just so well-composed. And it just sounds like such a perfect moment. And for me, honestly, the biggest thing about that song is when he does the la da 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 da. That's just like a nice little dramatic grounding to it, because otherwise it would just be pure plop, pop fluff. You know, when he talks about yeah. all these people coming up to him and giving him money, but then he always kind of comes down to the sad little descending line before he ramps back up again. Mm-hmm. Like that's the power and strength of it. So for me, Piano Man, I agree with you. Cold Spring Harbor is less of a debut debut. Piano Man feels like the announcement of who Billy Joel is, and yeah. I embrace it for that reason. It's not my favorite album again, number one, but I would fight for it a little so- bit. So. Here's the thing, like, in many ways, I don't hate the placing of glass houses in the spot that you want to place it. Uh-huh. The thing is, and I was actually pleased, uh, so- something I think we'll get to later, but um, uh, Vulture has a really great series where they rank all of the songs of a given artist, like, literally. Uh, they did yeah, the, right. They did the Beatles. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, and they did the Billy Joel, and I was really pleased to see that the um, author of that particular piece put Sleeping With a Television on in the top five oh, wow. Damn. of Billy Joel's songs. I like it, but I, I, I completely adore. disagree. First, yeah. and, and first of all, um, if, you, if, if any of you listeners out there happen to know the great um, Norwegian singer-songwriter Sandra Lerke... Um, you will know that I uh, that he is brilliant for the same reason that I like that uh, sleeping with the television on, which is that it just has a lot of chords. And I know that that's a very basic reason to like a song, but there are like I tried to learn it on guitar, just playing the chords, not the melody or anything more right. advanced than that. But there's like five or six chords per verse, and then the chorus itself changes. Hmm. Um, and I, I I don't know. I think that that's so. I mean the the weird thing at the beginning where like the um, and the home of the brave, like that, like little excerpt plays. And like, oh why, yeah. Why is that there? I don't know. Yeah. But because well, I think the the song is supposed to be like 
a commentary on American culture. Yeah, yeah. which Billy Joel's not great at, frankly. <laughs> yeah, um, let's be real. But that I song, mean, we all like, heard we didn't start the fire. Yes, but that song and um, uh, um, I Don't Want to Be Alone, to me, it's and this is one of those things where when you don't necessarily love an album as a whole, you're weighting it based on the strength of its best songs. Yes. Yeah. And to me... Uh, I don't want to be alone and sleeping with the television on. To me, hit higher highs than Piano Man does, and I recognize I may be in the minority on that yeah. because I was actually because I remember looking at the album cover of um, Glass Houses uh, when I was going to go re-listen to it. And I was mm-hmm. like, Billy Joel cannot pull off Springsteen. He just cannot. Right. Sure but enough, he does it. You're right. Yeah. But yeah, I he only barely tries. Yeah. But I also. It's funny because we have completely different takeaways, but I think that. You may be right. Don't ask me why. And still, rock and roll to me are all significantly better songs than anything that's on piano. Hmm. I, I would say, though, that being said, after we talked about it as much as we have, Glass Houses and Piano Man, next two slots, regardless of which slots they are, feels about right to me. That's fair. That's that's kind of what I'm saying. My personal vote would be for Glass Houses at number six because I nominated it in the previous episode. But if ultimately it's number five, I'm not going to complain too much either. Yeah, I think I would do Piano Man six. Glass Houses. Okay. Yep. Cool. In that case, we are making some progress. Piano Man is number six. Glass Houses at number five. Which How means... long did that take us? Oh, it took us 50 minutes. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's no, not, not the worst. that bad. Yeah, exactly. Number four, Piano Man, the entire dubstep remix. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, I don't know if you've heard a banjo in dubstep remix, as you would hear yeah, if there were a... Avicii. <laughs> is that real? Oh, I hope it's not real. Oh, it's, it's real. Your face said it was real. You wake me up. Or wake me up. Well, yeah, wake Doesn't, me up. That, wake like, me up when it's all Oh, so that's not a remix of Evanescence's. Evanescence's. No, that's. I'm gonna bring cut me to life. Literally all of this. <laughs> that's called bring me, me to life. That's yeah. a completely <laughs> different. Why does not wake me up? So anyway. So yeah. Turnstiles, The Stranger, Fifty Second Street, and Innocent Man is what we have left. I, I don't want to nominate I don't. It's just. Sure. Yeah, I don't oh know. gosh. Okay. I'm, I, wait, wait. You know what? I okay. I take that back. I take that back. This might be the time for an innocent man. It's at the top four. No, I know. And that's... I... <sighs> that's where I would have it. I would still put turnstiles below it, but I won't fight you guys too hard if you outvote me. Mm-hmm. I, looking at what we have left, it has to... It, it's like, it's the one thing. That's the thing. It is... I think it... it as much as, like, for me, turnstiles doesn't have the huge takeaways... It is a better album overall than Innocent Man. Right. And the thing is, Innocent Man, I think, in Turnstiles, I wouldn't, it would say it's a very good album. It is an artistically considered album. And Innocent Man, I wouldn't say is artistically considered. It is a fun album. Even though it's referencing, it's a pop pass. It's not really being historical or analytical about it. It's just reinterpreting these things to create buoyant pop songs. It's joyful. It's exciting like that. Uh, it's I wouldn't call those thrills necessarily the most lasting or the most artistically whatever. It's still a great album. It's still a fun album, which is more, because it's probably more fun than some of the other albums on here because this is, again, artistic Billy Joel that we're really getting into. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, like, yeah, for me, it would have to be Innocent Man at number four. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Great. Agree with that? Cool. Okay. Cool, fantastic. Six, Piano Man, Five Glass Houses, number four in... Oh, I'm sorry. Six Piano Man, Five Glass Houses, Four, and Innocent Man. Turnstile, Stranger, 56th Street. How about this? How about this? Before we do anything. Turnstiles. Yeah. No, before we do anything, it's turnstiles. <laughs> I agree. I, I, like, Wait, I, can't, okay. I can't 
possibly oblige okay. above either of the other two. Okay, levels. cool. Okay. We I, have talked about it a decent amount, I think. Yeah, you know? yeah, I would agree. All right. So in that case, we have turnstiles at number three. Okay, guys. So now it's down to, of course, our good friends, The Stranger and 52nd Street. I don't want to rank anything right now. The okay. biggest thing that I want to do, I just want to talk about them in chronological order. So dear friends, countrymen, what have you, let's talk about The Stranger just by itself. Yeah. So this is the album where following turnstiles, he was like, you know, and he produced it himself. Uh, you know, there was some hits on there. It was mainly the biggest thing where he, all of us, and also we haven't even talked about Miami 2017. We'll say that for the next There's time. a reason. It's, it's so <laughs> It's because it predicted the Trump presidency because as we all know, when Trump got elected, he made the Mar-a-Lago in Florida, which I think is in Miami, or one of those. <laughs> His uh, winter White House, as we have unfortunately come to learn in the news media. So, Billy Joel predicted Donald Trump. Right, exactly. Yeah, he's the recipe wow. a number of times. <laughs> okay. All right. So, here's the thing. So... Uh, following the success of Turnstiles, though, he wanted to do something, and he found a producer, Phil Ramone. Phil Ramone is probably best known for producing uh, Simon and Garfunkel's solo albums, in particular Paul Simon's Crazy After All These Years. So, you know, dude had credentials, and one of the nice things about it is that he had a great way of being like, instrumentation, we need something new on here. And almost like every song on The Stranger has a unique sonic element that is something outside of Billy Roll's, you know, experience of drums and piano and bass and what have you. Mm -hmm. But the thing about it is that, like, you could be a good producer, you can really find the great moments in a song where you need those little oboes or you need those little, you know, horns or those other little elements that need to come in. But most importantly, I feel like Phil Ramone was great at, he was at the right moment, and he had Billy Joel deliver some of the best songs of his entire right. career. Production aside, mm -hmm. the songwriting here is yeah. so phenomenal. I mean, like, I scenes from an Italian restaurant on its own mm -hmm. is just such a behemoth. That's one of the first, the first, I mean, no, it's not one of the first times that there were like huge sweeping movements mm -hmm. in a pop no. song, but it's probably one of but the most. Bohemian Rhapsody I, came up before. I think yes. Yeah. Well, sure, but it, it's, I think it's one of the most iconic yes. kind of those songs. You know, you have all three of the movements have happened by the three-minute mark, mm -hmm. and it's a seven-minute track. Mm -hmm. But, like, each of those individual sections is just so uniquely brilliant and iconic on its own that, like, I almost forget that they're all part of the song. And also, it's crazy how after, you know, he does, he starts the reminiscing section... And then before the Brenda and Eddie section, there's this whole like piano breakdown, the boop-be-doop, Um, And that almost feels like it's preparing for the finale. Yeah. Like, and then he brings in the whoa, whoa for the first time. And yeah. it's like, every time I listen to it, I think, oh my God, are we already there? But no, we're just fucking getting started. And yep. I think that's part of the brilliance of it is that every moment... It, you're like suspenseful and you're anticipating the rest of the song coming. Mm -hmm. um, but that's, I mean, that's just an album track. Like, yeah. the singles on here, moving out as cliche as it may be. Sure, that. Mm -hmm. But I, it's still my favorite Billy Joel song. Yeah. Moving out is? Moving out. That's not a bad choice. I'm, well, I'm also that opening, as soon as you hear like that staccato piano. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that was but like the other thing is that he really more more so now in this moment because I feel like a lot of his other songs were like either like 
rough characters, but it was mainly stuff that was about him and his life. He really dives full bore into the I'm writing character observations yeah, here. Yeah, completely. Because this is Anthony's song. It's moving now. You know, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that the song to open the Twilight Tharp jukebox musical based on uh, Billy Joel's work, mm-hmm. Moving Out, which mm-hmm. was a whole thing to happen on Broadway for a time. And his songs easily translate to Broadway. There's Very no well. questioning that. Especially scenes from a right. restaurant. But the thing about... Right, and the thing is, we could talk about that. We could talk about how lovely, and I do mean it is lovely just the way you are, is just like... You song. want to talk about like synth pads matching the mood perfectly, but then you have the swells that come in near the end. It's just like... Fantastic. Just Reminds me of 10 CC. Just the way you are is almost like such a good ballad that mm-hmm. it feels more like Stevie Wonder because I feel like Stevie Wonder was the guy who like mm-hmm. took those synths and took balladry to that like yeah. that place where they ma- you managed not to be saccharine. It was just like brilliant and beautiful. And I feel like a lot of other artists, especially in the late 70s, who were trying to do synth balladry just made it super cheesy and then that got even worse in the 80s so like that's why as much as you know just the way you are is like almost a cliche at this point unfortunately Mm -hmm. whenever i hear it start i think about the karaoke section at the end of shrek (laughs) anyone else remember that anyway um (laughs) but but that's again it just this album like doesn't have any weak parts. Like even yeah. even for me, the weakest song on here is "Get It Right" the first time. What? Are and, you kidding me? And no, but I the, agree. With that. I'm saying that's the weakest song on here. But like other albums in this discography, weep to have a song that good on them. Right, you know because, I mean? like, honestly, like, as soon as he gets to that chorus, you gotta get it right the first... And then you hear, like, that hi-hat clanging on there in the drum kit, and then he goes, the la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la. Yeah, it's great. And you got the little flute speaking pedal, of like, yeah. Stevie Wonder moments. Oh, yeah, speaking of. Yeah, and the thing is, that one, for me, Everybody Has a Dream is probably the weakest song, and that's the last song on there. Because oh, otherwise, you still have Vienna, uh, which is, like, gorgeous. And the more you know about Billy Joel's backstory is actually, you know, haunting in its own specific mm-hmm. way in terms of his reconciliation with his father. Right. Because is isn't great. Vienna where his dad so, left to? Yes, he decided absolutely. he didn't like America and uh-huh. went back to Vienna. Right. Like, and for me, honestly, the title track, The Stranger, that one is just, it's a great song about, like, guess what? No one's going to get to know the real you. You have these masks that you wear on in public, but mm-hmm. they are just masks. And that's the thing. You're not going to ever actually find out who the real person is underneath. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just, like, depressing, but it's still married to a fucking pop song and so like he's unafraid to be biting and honest and visceral in like all these different moments he's a storyteller and he is a soothsayer and he is a confession you know confessing so many things as well again she's always a woman is violent it is a violent song and yet it's still there's a sweetness to it at the same time the things this woman is gonna do to you is like well yeah it's 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 one of those like you know there are tons of red flags but i love her anyway moments, which i always I mean, it's very problematic, but I appreciate well, it. Well, like, no, I disagree here, actually, because if we're going to uh, talk about different problematic ways of talking about women in Billy Joel's discography, with the two albums we're talking about right now, we have a contrast. We have, and even ultimately, I don't think these both are anti-feminist songs. You have She's Always a Woman, and you have Stiletto on 52nd Street. Uh-huh. And the thing about both of these songs is, is, and Billy Joel's talked about this, is that She's Always a Woman is framed as a misogynistic song by many interpreters. But the, the, the thing that makes that difficult, lyrically, 
is that, yes, there are the different catalogs. You know, she can kill with a smile, she can wound with her eyes, uh-huh. ruin your faith with your casual eyes. But every verse ends with she's always a woman. Uh-huh. And so it's not that she's a bitch. It's not that she's a harlot. It's not that any of the, like, It's not sexist... that she's a video ho Yeah, it's not, <laughs> it's not that she's any of the misogynistic words to which have been a, 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 a affixed to women who do bad things it's that no matter what she does even if it's the worst thing in the world she's still a woman and you have to respect her for that reason i think my favorite line in it though despite all those things is that she always throws shadows at you yeah which is just I, I don't know there's something about that line which is always fascinating to me but i also i understand like this album was a hit like piano man was a hit but this album was uh, Piano Man, the song was a hit. Right. Stranger, the album was a bigger hit. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing is that, like, the biggest thing, that's why, especially once he found Phil Ramone as a producer, he's like, oh, you get me. You mm-hmm. get what I'm trying right. to do. There's a reason Phil produced the next four, five albums. Yeah, Phil, Phil was involved for a lot for a good yeah. time there, but he was also the producer on 52nd Street. And 52nd Street is a, it's one of those things where like it was recorded quickly after it still feels like a different beach. It doesn't feel like the immediate sequel to The Stranger, if you know what I mean, mm-hmm. you know? It feels like he did wanted to try something new, something a little bit more expansive, a little bit more jazzy, and sometimes a little bit more overt. Like don't get me wrong, there's pop moments on The Stranger absolutely, but nothing quite the vein of like the almost Vegas style my life. It's funny you said my life because that's that definitely demonstrates your point. But I thought you were about to say half a mile away, Mm, which is also a huge pop moment. Again, brings out really great harmony vocals, like poppier than anything on The Stranger. Mm -hmm. But it's still like it's just it's so fucking good. Like half a mile away is probably also one of my favorite. Also, the name of a great song by Oasis, not related to the song. Thanks, Bryce. Thanks, Bryce. All right, (laughs) but but okay. So Fifty Second Street is also interesting because it has one of my. It was sort of I sort of forgot about this song. Please say Zanzibar. Please say Zanzibar. Well, Zanzibar (laughs) is like a full Steely Dan ripoff. Yes, Zanzibar start to finish, and it is slaps. It, it is a quite good song. But no, I was going to talk about Until the Night. Mm-hmm. Until the Night. Again, I didn't realize I was such a ballad whore. But like, Until the Night is like one of the best ballads ever recorded. And we did Whitney Houston earlier this season. Like, Until the Night, just, it's so Until much fun. It's so much fun to sing, first of all. Yep. His, he, it's one of the best vocal performances of your, his career. Going from, like, the lowest lows on the verses. And then, yeah. like, just screaming yeah. on those choruses. And those string sections the sawing string in. Yeah. And it also manages to... I I forget that that song is six minutes long. Because it's, it's, it's a very slow tempo. So it, it takes a long time to cover its ground. But it just... It's there's so much suspense mm-hmm. and beautiful orchestration, and I just fucking love it. That's the only thing that you could do when you're a big shot. You know, that's really gotta be honest. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's interesting. Like for me, honestly, I gotta be honest. Honesty might be one of my least favorite songs. It's here. a bad song. Yeah, like it's one of the things. Like it's fine, and I know a lot of people love it. It's one of his most listened to ballads. I don't know like, if you know this. I like but it. But everyone is really so untrue. Yes. Back me up on this, Darren. <laughs> I know Absolutely. what I mean, right? Yeah. yeah, and the thing is that, like, then you have the Cuban detour that is Rosalinda's eyes, and it's nice. It's fine. Uh, that's uh, there's that's uh, there are so many Cuban detours. Right. And that's every time, 
every time it shows up, I'm just like, why? 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 Stop trying to do reggae. Cuban detours. That's what I do when I shop for cigars in Canada. What's up? <laughs> well, Bryce, I think you're banned from saying anything else for the rest of the episode. I think we've just made the determination right Thanks there. Thanks for playing. You're done. <laughs> Uh, but that being said, like the thing is, 52nd Street is still a big, strong, confident pop album. Mm-hmm. But for me, when it comes down to these two, it is no contest. The 52nd Street Billy Joel is a guy who is like you know, reveling in his success, trying out new things, new textures, new flavors. Mm-hmm. The Stranger is an announcement. It is a proclamation. Yep. The thing I love about The Stranger is the fact that it is, the for me, the definitive Billy Joel album. But the thing is, the reason why it's the definitive Billy Joel album is because it has such a broad stretch. Because Billy Joel is not the piano man. He is so many more things than that. Yeah. You know, he is a brilliant pop songwriter. He's vulnerable. He is angry. He is sensitive. He is sweet. He is all these different things at once. It is a contradiction of terms. And that, I think, is the appeal of the most basic and most, you know, guttural reaction to a Billy Joel statement. And the other thing about The Stranger is that it has the most iconic album tracks. Yeah. Yeah. Like... The thing is, like, you... Scenes from an Italian restaurant in Vienna were not singles, but they are both so iconic among Billy Joel fans that, like, they have to be included on Greatest Hits records. Mm-hmm. And that's... Even the the songs that, like, didn't chart as as well, like, Only the Good Die Young, Always a Woman, like, these are I mean, I, I'm, su- I'm surprised songs. you Only the Good Die Young, that's another one that has lasted through time. Only the Good Die Young. Yeah, uh, that peaked... That peaked at twenty four. Isn't <laughs> yeah. that insane? I mean, I want to say that it was it was the um, it was the New Yorker's TV critic um, Emily Nussbaum who described only the good die young as Catholic blurred lines. Okay, well, not no, no, no. here. So <laughs> I, I was watching. I was watching a lot of clips of him just like talking to college students because on his Vivo channel he has a lot of just interview clips. And in nineteen ninety four, uh, someone asked him about. Uh, and what the other members of his bands were doing for what was it the Hassels yeah was his first band and like so they asked him like so what what happened to the members of Attila and the Hassels he talked about well Attila I'm actually pretty good uh, friends with the guy John there because initially you know I kind of stole his wife and then I divorced her so now we both have an ex-wife that we share so we're able to talk about that it's good and he's talking about the members of the Hassels and like you know like one of them died and you know some of them have gone into different things and you know one of them turned into a Jesus freak and it's always weird how you know the Jesus freaks as soon as they find Jesus they're right you're wrong and, and I got a letter from one of them the other day and it's about only the good die young he talked about how i was blaspheming and other things and it was funny though because that was a perfect time because i remember only the good die young came out and it was dying on the charts it wasn't doing anything and like radio banned it the archdiocese banned it from whatever the archdiocese can ban things from like they were doing all these things but as soon as the archdiocese did that move all of a sudden people started taking an interest in it being like what is it what is it what's, what's being this so bad Joel song that got banned right exactly and all of a sudden it started going up the charts so i wrote a letter to the archdiocese later saying thank you so much for your help and making this a success which i thought was interesting too which is why like i think people may have been a little bit kind of like how they used to be afraid when you put god in the title of a song or something like that you know i also it's also funny i i remember my dad telling me about a time that my parents saw billy joel live and this was like relatively early in their relationship and only the good dayang came on and my mom like lost her mind because (laughs) my parents were both raised Roman Catholic. Uh-huh. And so it was very much like a, yeah. this resonated with a large group of people very specifically. Yeah. And I think looking and it, and it seems, I don't want to speak for the both of you, but it seems that an underlying supposition of our conversation that we've just been having is that the stranger is a better record than 57, 52nd street. Yeah. And what's frustrating about that for me is I feel that with 
many of my opinions about classic artists especially that I love. Uh-huh. So like for example, my favorite Led Zeppelin record is um, and I mentioned this in the first part of the episode is A House of the Holy, which most people would not put at that one, number mm-hmm. one spot necessarily. Um, but The Stranger is the most obvious candidate to put. And so when I was re-listening to the Billy Joel discography, I was like, I need to see if there's some way that I can unseat this. Because, like, the first... You don't want to get to that criti- criti- critical right, group Right, that just, like, yeah. easy, like, well, this right. is the obvious right. choice. Right, right. Which don't, we've I, done before, I don't sure. want. I don't want to be lazy. I want to actually realize, because, like, the first two Billy Joel songs that I remember distinctly are scenes from an Italian restaurant in Vienna, the latter particularly. Mm-hmm. Like, Vienna, like, when I first heard it, I was like, that really speaks to me in some way. And I couldn't tell you as, like, exactly why 12-year-old yeah. why I liked that song. My dad actually performed Vienna at his 50th birthday concert. Oh, nice. With my cousin playing clarinet on it. Aww. I mean, if, you, if, if, if you're 50 and you get to perform a 50th birthday concert, you're already cool. Um, but <laughs> you what heard I, it here first. My dad is cool, said Bryce Azell. Here, here. The, the king of cool, the, Bryce Azell. The, when I look down the track list, the only two songs for which I might have some hesitation, genuinely are Get It Right the First Time and Everybody Has a Dream. And I like both of those songs. Mm-hmm. I don't love them in the way that I love, say, Seasonal Time, Restaurant, or Vienna. Right. But the thing that I love about this record, like, if I can, like, I can go down the track list of each song and explain why everyone has some significance. I really can't do that with 50 Seconds. Right. I know. Big Shot, great. Yeah. Um, honesty, a uh, boring ballad, because, I'm sorry, Honesty, uh, Everyone is So Untrue is not a great lyric. I mean, I uh, like Honesty but he has so many, many better, piano, better yeah. piano ballads that like you, it's fine to leave it in the dust but the, let's just talk about the one two punch I'm determined to talk about these two songs because they are slept on in the Billy Joel discography but we have to talk about them because this is what this podcast is about Zanzibar Zanzibar and Stiletto both of those songs you really fuck. like Stiletto that much? yeah dun 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 I feel like that's a hip hop beat that like, and I found that it had been sampled. Yeah, that's not what I was thinking. But continue. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like that had been used, and when I looked it up later, it was used in a couple things. Like, Ah. uh, uh, De La Soul used it on their first album, uh, a couple other places. Which like, it feels like it's meant to be like a beat for something of just like you know this very simple piano line, a little bit of bass, and then Mm -hmm. there'd be some rapping over. But so Fifty Second Street gains or it earns its title from a district in New York City that was the jazz part of town mm-hmm. for quite some time. And so you obviously get that with Zanzibar, which, as uh, Taryn point, pointed out, uh, is a very clear, if not Steely Dan ripoff, it's very Steely Dan sharing from I the mean, same cigarettes. He's, you know, he's, he is unshy about blatantly showing his influences, and he's definitely singing like Donald Fagan on Zanzibar. Well, it's that, not plus, just, I don't know if... It's the, not just the production. I don't even know if there's a major or minor chord in that song. I think it's all seventh chords. It's all it's jazz, jazz yeah. chords. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, well, in that case, I think it's pretty definitive what is going on, guys. Uh, number six is Piano Man. Number five is Glass Houses. Number four is An Innocent Man. Number three is Turnstiles. Number two is 52nd Street. And as we know, number one is Fantasies and Delusions. Classical compositions by Billy Joel. No, I'm kidding. It is The Stranger. That is the last number one of season three. I'm really happy about it. And guys, listen, we know that with all of these albums and all of these iconic songs, you got your own opinions and we want to hear them. So if you wouldn't mind doing us a favor and finding us on Facebook, 
or commenting on SoundCloud. There's some SoundCloud commenters on there right now, and I love all the hot takes that are coming out of there. Yeah. Uh, Twitter, Reddit. Uh, also, you know what? Uh, the chartographers at gmail.com if you just want to get on our face about it. Bryce, and we'll forward them on to Bryce, and he will fight you verbally. Sibilance. And it all will right. be great. And most Shut importantly, the though. Uh, oh yeah. my God. Holy shit, he's drunk. <laughs> most importantly, though, uh, if you also want to do us a favor, leave us your opinions when you uh, rank us on iTunes. Any review there, it genuinely helps us, gives us visibility. It's fantastic. And most importantly, Bryce is L. Thank you. Thank you very much. Here. Yeah. I'm so glad you were here. For I this. cannot believe that there are people who want to talk about all twelve Billy Joel records with me. And again, again, I went into it just knowing the pop is. I wasn't expecting to come out of this being like, oh wait, Billy Joel's a fucking genius. And that's what I did. Like all the you know bad songs aside, I was just like blown away this week by how good he just is. Just the sheer even even like he has a decent. Uh, amount of bland music yeah. absolutely but absolutely. The, like the heights that he reaches consistently are very impressive yeah, yeah. completely so that being said we can't wait to hear from you in the meantime though keep on listening because as always you know that we'll be have a good one guys happy our meeting so next good myself Welcome to the Review Universe promo! The Review Universe with Chris and Steve is a podcast about two men who are hired to review everything in the universe. We're stuck in a tiny room together filled with pneumatic tubes while two shadowy figures dictate what we have to review next. Anything from pizza to pop stars to the entire state of Wisconsin. A new episode every Thursday wherever you get your podcasts. We give this promo a 100 out of 100. 100. <laughs>